Dear ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Digital Savages Challenging the Status Quo podcast with your host, Amir Sabirovic. In the previous episode of Challenging the Status Quo, the challenger and guest was Anissa Ukyar. And here's the short part of our conversation. No, and I think I can really relate to this. And I think the journey, I mean, as a kid growing up, you know, I was, man, I... I didn't fit in, man. I really didn't fit in. And at the time I did care about it, but at the same time I also kind of, I think later on I didn't care much about it. But that's fine because I had, I always had this thing in me that was so against injustice, you know, that I would always be so pissed when things would happen in school or or later on also while studying, um, that you would just notice and see patterns that just are not fair uh, or discriminating against. Uh, certain groups of people or, or minorities and I yeah I don't know I and I think this really um, sort of amplified I think I said it before as well um, when I went to uh, live in South Africa are you curious about the rest of Anissa's story go one episode back and listen about her journey her challenges and of course how she challenges the diversity and inclusion in the current modern society for now, let's focus on our next guest. Hi, everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of Challenging the Status Quo. Today, I have an interpersonal catalyst, corporate activist, vulnerability, inclusion, relationship, activator, and connector. That's a lot, but uh, Gary Turner does a lot. And uh, let's hear his story. Welcome, Gary. Awesome to have you on the show. Oh, thank you so much for the invitation. I mean, I've been really, really looking forward to this. Uh, likewise, likewise. Hey, Gary, uh, uh, you have already mentioned uh, one of the podcasts that you've listened to that you were amazed by. So, so you, you see this question coming up, but can you guide us through your background and how you got where you are right now? Yeah, sure. Um, and yeah, shout out to Leonard, who, you know, you had an amazing conversation with him. It's uh, still ringing in my ears, Amir, for me. So I'd say it's really a, a story of clarification, Amir, over the last five years in particular. So if I fast forward to age 39, five years ago, I was very much on the traditional corporate track, you know, parents, education, society, Western world, get your grade, get a job, get a job, make money, make money, buy a house, buy a house, get married, have enough money, hopefully when you're 65, and if you live long enough, you can enjoy it. Just crazy when you think about it like that. But that was the track I was on. And it wasn't all bad. Very, very positive, lots of great experiences. But age 39, I sat in my apartment, and I just had this ache, this absolute ache. And it's around my heart. I didn't realize at the time, but that's where it was. Literally had heartache. Why? I'd achieved everything the outside world educated me, mattered. Yeah. So I had the job. I had the decent salary. I had the nice holidays. And I just felt empty, Amir. Absolutely hollow. And I just had no idea what that feeling was. And that started me on this incredible deep dive into learning development, organizational design, culture. And now I'm in this even more emergent space of regeneration, sustainability, and living systems. So I'm, I continue to be on that journey. Um, but really, I'd say yeah, age 39 was a trigger point for me. Well, that's, uh, that's uh, so you lived by the conditioned society. You achieved everything. And then you said, well... I'm I'm still not 65. <laughs> I have a few years to go. <laughs> and 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 giving this fact, so actually you rediscovered yourself. Can I say it like that? Yeah. Um, and, and you know, something the big trigger for that was actually as recent as three years ago, Amir, which is when I invested in myself. 
I, I invested in a personal coach for the first time. So I think like so many of us that work in corporate or on that education, Western sort of track of what we think life is all about is I invested in myself. And this was really interesting for me because prior to investing in myself, I was one of the people It's like, the, the company's paying my salary, therefore they should be paying for me to be invested. Like they, they should be growing me. And it's like, I had a complete lack of accountability. And what happened a few years ago is I changed that mindset to, away from that more of a fixed mindset. Although I'm a high growth individual, Amir, you know, it's all about growth, lifting others, etc. In my own mindset, I was still a little bit fixed. And by investing in that coach, what they helped me understand is those first 39 years, and part of the reason I had that heartache is I wasn't expressing the feelings of being bullied, of self-harming, of getting married with, to the wrong person and knowing that they were the wrong person having a mini burnout, you know, so all of these experiences that I had, but I didn't know how to express emotionally what I was feeling. And that was the big trigger. That's where I started really sensing into the fuller version of who I could be going forward. But I had to go through that, that sensing experience and, and invest in myself to be able to realize that. Could you say that the corporate or I mean, the society makes a, a kind of a robot out of you? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, on, <clears throat> excuse me. Honestly, the reason I'm laughing so much, I was having a conversation um, last week um, with somebody else, and I said, "Why are we afraid of automation?" The only reason we're afraid of automation is because we are acting like robots. If we if we were like human beings, we wouldn't have to worry about automation. <laughs> Yeah, I I say this repeatedly uh, in in my podcast is that I'm I'm really. Um, and when, when looking to the education in general, when you look at it, you, you're actually prepared for a life of cubicles and one person telling you how the world looks like um, and doing one thing and excelling at one thing. Well, I, I educate myself and um, I don't know if you heard the term of polymath, but actually that we're capable of doing multiple things and being very good at it. But the society and the schooling system conditions you to be one thing and be one only. And then uh, at the end, at the end, you just you know you're you're doing everything on autopilot. Yeah, yeah, it, it resonates so much. And if we think about where we are right now with this pandemic, like what do we need right now in both individually but collectively? We need that creativity. We need that open heart, that open mind, the ability to navigate the unknown. And none of that's been taught by our parents or the education system. <laughs> No, no, you, you you have to be sterile. Emotions are bad, especially in the corporate uh, corporate structures, right? You have to be like uh, emotionless, I would say, rather than uh, emotional. And, and and given the fact that you have experienced a vast experience of corporate world and, uh, and climbing the ladder, what is your definition of success now when you look at it? And what is the feeling behind it? What great questions, Amir. Wow. Success for me is clarifying what it means for you as an individual to be a whole person. Values, beliefs, hopes, fears, like truly knowing yourself as a whole human being, that's success. Because from that flows everything else, good relationships, healthy relationships, the ability to challenge healthily, to hold two opposite polarized views without having to go on, on either side. So for me, that's what success is, is really showing up as a whole person and knowing yourself. What that feels like is freedom, but it's not freedom without challenge. So it's freedom and resiliency is how it feels. Don't you think that uh, when you achieve this, this higher level of spiritual self, 
because I, I tie that to the sp spirituality, right? When your when your soul, um, um, mind, and actions are aligned, and that you actually don't care about the external factors that influence your life, but as long as that guy or that girl in the mirror is happy, then you're on the right path. The society sees you as a misfit because you do not abide by the rules laid upon conditions. Yep, I'm a misfit. <laughs> <laughs> well nice to meet you me too <laughs> and, 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 and now you have of course you have rediscovered yourself you're enlightened you're doing the things and and doing things that are aligned with your persona and who you truly are so if i would give you a delorean or a magic wand i don't know if you're a, a back to the future guy or a, a, a wizard of oz um and you could choose to, to go to an age, whatever young age you prefer, and you could share some advice with the younger Gary. Which age would that be, and what would you advise him? For me, that's quite easy. I'd go back to age 12 for two reasons. One, that is when my bullying, my experience of physical and psychological bullying for two years started. But it's also a really critical age. You're going to that senior school from the primary education to senior education, and it's quite a big shift. So I'd go back and I'd tell that 12-year-old version of me, if you feel like you're being bullied, know that the other person is hurting. That would be my overarching, one of the key learnings. And one of the key lessons would be, it's not about you, young Gary. It's the other person that's suffering. Write it out. Be kind to yourself and them. It will all be okay. That would be my overarching message. Um, above all other messages. So that's a, that's a really nice. So actually, when people are negative or actually uh, harassing you in each matter, whether physical or mentally, they're actually expressing their sadness and their fears and their, but just prolonging it to you. hundred percent. And it's funny, we spoke before we came on about one of your previous guests and I, I've done the whole checking out that particular person, where they are in the world. They're now heading up a, a clothing business in Singapore. And I thought a couple of times, Amir, do I reach out just to say, hey, I see you. I experienced it. And I'm just like, why would I do that to them? I've healed the situation for me. So would I be doing that honestly from an ego point of view just to go, hey, if you are still suffering, I want you to know that I, you know, I see you. I remember what you did to me. Or is it better for me just to do what I'm doing now and saying, hey, I still see you. I acknowledge you. I'm sending you some positive energy in your direction, but I don't need to ruffle the feathers in your world, you know? And I, and, and I still wrangle with that, Amir. You know, I still have the occasional check, even at the age of 44. Well, maybe uh, a forgiveness from your side. 100%. That's exactly what it is. But, but, but you never get away from that curiosity as well. Of course, of course, of course. You're, <laughs> <laughs> that drives you. That drives you. It, 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 Gary, uh, how do you challenge yourself or how do you challenge the status quo? So in many different ways, um, but what some people don't always realize, because I'm so public about my beliefs, and how I want to try and be a part of a healing collective society going forward. People don't realize sometimes I still work in corporate. So I've got a day job in a three and a half billion turnover corporate. So my way of challenging the status quo is to increasingly get clear on what matters to me so that I can role model that other people can also step into that. So I'm not leading them. I'm leading myself in a way that I believe signals to other people within my organization and outside that you are able to move towards that whole person version of you, whatever that means for you. So, and I'm still on that, I'm, I'm really in it. You've got me at an interesting time. I'm deeply still in the next clarification point of what it means for me to step into being that fuller version. Do you think that there are still a lot of 
people that cope or or are challenged by this stretch of wearing a mask versus being true to themselves? Hundred percent. I'd love to ask you a quick. Like, what's your thoughts on work-life balance as a well-being phrase? As long and I'm repeating this, but as long as the guy in a mirror is happy and smiling to me, then I know I'm on the right path, and he's the only person that I have to satisfy. Because if I'm able to satisfy him, his beliefs, his values, his emotions, etc. If I love him, then he'll love me. And that means that that love can be shared. So that's that's what I believe in. And uh, I do not believe in this work-life balance. That's uh, one. You do not become another person when you come home. You do not become another person when you're friends with her. That's she's, I believe that's schizophrenic. You do not wear masks. You're always the same version of you. Of course, the content that you bring on table, that differs per case, of course. And and But your behavior doesn't change. You do not become a grand asshole because you're in a corporate and you come home and love your wife and children uh, and go to your friends and then balance between being an asshole and being a lo- loving friend. It doesn't work. You can only be one person at the same time. But this is my belief, of course. But I, but I can. I was interested in your view, Amir, because it's one of the biggest. And I'm, I'm with you on it completely. But the invitation I have for your your listeners and the community that are joining us today is, if you do use that phrase, work life balance, what does it really mean? Back to your point to answer your question about masks. I damaged myself. I self harmed because, as in, repeatedly used to punch myself after nights out when I was twenty because I had such low self-worth. So my question is for you, like if you're saying, oh, I want to get better work-life balance, are you actually saying that you want to show up fully as a whole person in everything you do? Great. What do you need to do next? Or are you saying that I really hate my job or my home life so much that I want to separate? Like It can be either or or both of those. But I think we need to dive into what we're actually saying sometimes and get away from the little phrases that we throw out and go like, what are we actually saying? Yeah, I think uh, I think that too much people actually, or too many people um, condition themselves or let be conditioned by external factors, which are solely not important. And actually uh, coming to that, for me, uh, ancient philosophy Uh, Seneca, Plato, um, Marcus Aurelius actually gave a perfect view on on the world and the sort of awakening. Uh, and I'm all I'm always uh, troubled by people. They say how or I ask them how was your uh, week, and they say, oh, it's just a job. Come on, man, you're working forty to sixty hours a week on something that you just. Well, if it's just a job, then, you know, how about the rest of your life? Because the amount of time spent on the things that you like is minimal versus that what you're doing and you're hating. And uh, again, my listeners will probably say you're repeating yourself, but I hate Happy Friday or Happy Monday. I wish there wasn't weekend because I really, truly love what I do. And if you cannot find that, then you should search further until you have found it. And what was it? it? Start doing things that you would do for free if you weren't paid for it. And the the, the funny the funny thing is that I think those this whole pan, uh, pandemic showed us that most people actually got that uh, analysis of themselves. What am I doing? The the number of divorces rise because people didn't even know who they were living in because, because they were too much off. And when they came home, uh, there was a very short time uh, that you spend actually with your spouse or, or, uh, um, and, and that actually challenged them to 
uh, recuperate on what the hell am I doing with my life? And I'm, I'm really pleased to say that my wife and I lived apart for seven years and we just moved in in the last few months and it's amazing. Yeah. We've done the complete opposite. <laughs> Which is, which is fascinating. We did it the reverse engineered way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think you have to stress the systems for some time, right? <laughs> you have to. Yeah. It, 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 it is a stress test. But you know, I want to come back to your point, Amir, if I may. You said around that challenging the status quo, uh, the name of your podcast, because I think we give away, I certainly did, we give away our agency and our power far too easily. So I've been talking a lot recently, and I, I might write about this yet, like hush money. It's almost as if corporations or businesses pay a, a, a cash sum and we put a gag over our mouth. Yeah, that's it. It's hush money. Like, it's not an employment contract. It's not a salary. It's hush money. Let's be honest. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you have like a, like a cloud above your head, no opinion in it. <laughs> let, let, let's call out, like, let's call out the relationship contract. Like, it's, like, it's still far too one way. It's still far too one way. So my invitation for challenging the status quo, A, challenging the status quo is good for business. So I helped challenge the status quo in my work organization between 2015 and 2018. And we changed how we led our team culture, Amir, and we increased sales by 6 million and gross margin by one and a half over three years. Nothing else changed. Same people, same market dynamics. So why wouldn't we challenge? It's good for our people. We grow and it's good for business. And we can design in line with nature as well if we want to be super positive and proactive. But we've all got a responsibility in this. And I think we individually give away our power. To I agree people. on that uh, uh, totally. We we let other people uh, lead our lives and we're just fine with everything. And when you translate this to what your wish is, your goal, right? do you have a grand wish or goal? I don't know if you've got enough. I don't know if we've got enough time for my big grand <laughs> Summarize it. Summarize it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to summarize it for you. And again, this this is evolving. Yeah, like all of our purposes, our our life's essence, as I call it. As as this is all still really emerging for me right now. But I'm really getting into this space of regeneration, which is beyond sustaining. Yeah, it's beyond sustainability. It's how do we develop ourselves, our organizations, life, and society in line with natural systems and in line with regeneration and being life giving. So how do we come together? How do we have meetings? How do we listen in a way that nature would so that we can make it more regenerative? So I'm really looking at at the moment, how do we regenerate the human spirit? How do we get clear on our values? What what does it mean to us to work, to love, to care? Like, what are we afraid of? What are our hopes? So like this conversation, very much, you know, being clear on how do we make our human spirit regenerative? But then my interesting challenge to status quo from there as part of this big vision is how do we regenerate the manufacturing and chemicals industry of which I'm part? Yeah, because chemicals touches everything. It touches this laptop. It touches the rims and our glasses, our clothing, our food. It's everywhere. But a lot of the practices and the supply chains are not very transparent and not in line. They're quite extractive. So my vision is re- regenerate the human spirit, regenerate chemicals and manufacturing so that we can regenerate the earth. Like that's my big, big vision. That's a grand goal, I would say. I hope you you succeed in the end of world for the better of all. If we can just nudge, if we can nudge a few more people to have this sort of conversation that you and I are having, like what you're holding today, I mean, for me is brilliant. Like this space is what so few human beings are experiencing. And I'm nicking someone else's cliche. We're far too busy being human doings and not being at all. 
And we need to be having this sort of conversation more often with ourselves and with others. And then we can start to nudge forward the, the industry side. But until we individually, as human beings, do this work and go inside, then that stuff's not going to change, to be honest. No. So first change ourselves, then change the people around us, and then change the way we work and uh, manufacture things. Yeah, exactly. And you you have this, um, I mean, on the, on the age of 39, you had a, a, a certain awakening, like you questioned yourself and you felt emptiness. Um, and that was your learning moment, I would say. Um, how did you turn that into your strength and which sources helped you with it? I mean, a part of the, the individual coach that you have. Yeah, so I've had a few coaches as well now. So I'd say that, number one, continue to invest in yourself, genuinely. Like, even if it's a few hundred euros once a quarter or once a year, get somebody else's perspective to hold the safe space like Amir's doing right now. So I'd continually, and I continue to this day, I've got two coaches at the moment. So I've got one, actually, what in what we call the Global North, so in the Northern Hemisphere, so a sort of regular business coach, but she's also very spiritual. And I've also got a spiritual guide who's actually in um, the Philippines. So she's actually just faced six concurrent typhoons whacking the Philippines. Like, so she's down there doing the work of regeneration. So I've got these two people in different parts, Southern and Northern Hemisphere, and they continue to keep me with a view of the world that is live and current, and I'm sensing into what's really going on. So that's like the truth. That's my truth part of me is investing in the coach. The other big part of this and how you and I found each other with Vivian's amazing Amplified DEI Summit, yeah, is community. Like, who is your tribe? Like, and I'm not on about the tribe that just says yes to you. Who's the tribe that doesn't look and sound like you, that you can have a debate with, a challenge, but you both come out of that engagement feeling more human, more connected, and that you've grown. It's like, what's that community for you? So for me, it's humans first is one great example that, that Mike Vacanti set up. I've then got, like I say, Vivian and her Amplified DEI community. So it's really find out those different levers, those different communities that you want to invest some time in. It doesn't have to be a lot. It can be one or two hours a week. But go out of your way. My final point here, Amir, go out of your way, not just to acknowledge and tolerate difference. Run headlong into difference. I truly believe we are part of one singular human race. We are all different, but we are all connected. We are not separate. And that is part of what the systems have taught us, is that you are separate. No, we're not. Yeah, I think, uh, uh, you know, uh, the, you, you mentioned the world tolerate. That's, that's I mean, the most awful invented world, <laughs> word <laughs> in the world uh, when you come to it. What is the opposite? I mean, so you have to tolerate. That means that you're fighting yourself to do something. That's awful. Uh, another one, I think that's actually the beauty is in the uniqueness of every single human being. And if you can have a conversation rather than debate or a discussion, um, that's that's beautiful because you enrich each other with uh, various perspectives. And where do you draw your inspiration from? What inspires you, Gary? You. <laughs> Thank you. Curiosity is what, like, it's not about what, the other person looks or sounds like honestly it's, it's, it's not it, it's it's the the energy and the care and the intention that comes from an interaction so i'm inspired by i'm not just inspired by richard branson 
yeah, or the big names out, like Brene Brown, although I am inspired by them. I'm inspired by the everyday people that aren't on the big screen, the people doing the work, yeah, like you, like Vivian, like me, like tens of thousands of us that never, ever get onto a tweet or a somebody else's show, you know? Like, it really is about everybody. But it, but I, So I'm inspired by curiosity, the human traits of vulnerability, curiosity, and intention. <clears throat> like, when I, when I come across any human being, no matter whether they're black, disabled, white, and they show up fully around those areas of vulnerability, courage, and intention, and they're willing to listen, yeah, that, that's what inspires me, really. Yeah, likewise. I, I, I love people, and I'm a people person. And I love to hear the stories and not these stories that only get the spotlights. I mean, they get the spotlights for a reason, but uh, there is there is uh, so much beauty uh, in common, what we experience in common. It's average or common, but that can be so uh, uh, different than what you see in the mainstream. If I would give, so you're 65. <laughs> no, not now, not now. <laughs> Don't be scared. <laughs> <laughs> what would you like to leave to the world? What is your do you do you have a legacy? I know this is a div, difficult question, but what so it doesn't have to be a legacy, but what is your footprint? What would you like to leave to the rest of the world? So really simply, the ability for people to role model vulnerability and care for one another. So that's simple as that. The ability to not have need all the answers, to be able to go first with meeting other human beings that don't look and sound like you and to listen with open heart and open mind to what they're saying to you. In summary, be human. But I would, I invite those three human areas of development, vulnerability, listening and courage in particular, because I see those as being what I call gateway behaviors, behaviors. I'll even go one further and not just because I've got my own podcast on it that I've now finished recently, but because I, my own experience of the last five years is, the more that we role model vulnerability, the more it invites somebody else to do the same. There's not one person, when I've shown up fully, like I hope I've done on this conversation with you, not once has somebody said to me, oh my God, I don't want to go and talk to that Gary guy. Or I don't, oh God, he's too scary. It's almost always, oh wow, can you tell me a bit more about that? Or can I share an example of when I was vulnerable? Like it's an attraction, not a repellent vulnerability. And again, that goes completely against what the business world and education would like to tell you. Yeah, that's actually if you if you can add, if I can add to it, it's uh, removing the preconditioned bias that is implemented by the society, by your environment, etc. But being totally open to the world, um, even in giving and receiving, but first giving. That's lovely. Yeah, I, I love that. And what are you curious about right now? I'm curious about systems, and I'm particularly curious about living systems in line with nature. This is very early for me. Um, but I'm really curious. Have you heard about Kate Rayworth's Donut Economics? So this is something I'm really trying to dive more into is actually this. How do we design our lives, our economic systems, our societal systems to be in line with nature and not fighting and extracting from her? So that's getting me super, super curious. And as I dive more and more into that, yeah, I'm, I then got this other bit of curiosity around unconditional basic income, UBI. And I do believe that that could be a huge lever to reducing the inequity that is widespread right now. So basically, I'm really curious about big systems, but also the ease with which we can actually flick the switch on those systems 
if guys that look and sound like me get out their own way. <laughs> if you're if you're curious about systems in general, I would surely recommend the fifth discipline. If you don't know it, it's um, you know it. Like yeah, that was <laughs> obvious. <laughs> it's a really good one. And now for a total different one. Uh, if I would give you the ability, so this is question with two questions. Yeah. Uh, the ability to yeah. time travel back and forward to three time periods, whichever you um, you uh, desire, or I give you the possibility to dine with three people alive or dead. Mm, wow. What great, what great questions. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm going to start with... I'm just going to go all over the place with this, Amir. Brilliant question. Number one, I would love to dine with Freddie Mercury. I would love to just learn, and, you know, the stories, the, like, yeah, just, just the whole experience of what he experienced at that time, like super rise to stardom, the difficulty with, you know, substances, the, just, it's just, in a way, I, I, I see his life as being like a huge public version of so many of us <laughs> in our own like whatever you want to plug in, like with all like his extreme journey, we've all we're all going through it or have gone through it in our own sort of small version. So I'd love to hear about that directly from Freddie Mercury. Something else I'd also like in terms of traveling back in time. This is really in the moment. I've not thought about this that much before, but I, I'd quite like to go back to. I wouldn't like, but it would enrich my experience to go back to the time of when people that look and save like me were enslaving black human beings. I would like to go back with what I know now to hear what conversations were happening. What was the, was it as overt as we believe it was? Or was it all the same stuff we're talking about today? Was it just the fear? Was it one-upmanship with another landowner? Okay, okay, how do I stay ahead of that landowner? Okay, I can have three more slaves and he's got, you know, I'd love to know what the thinking was that was going on with those slave owners at the time. A, to dehumanize other human beings so much but b just what what the stories that were they telling themselves so really random amir i've not thought about that massively or deeply but i think they're this is always a surprise question yeah <laughs> so, so basically slave slave owners and freddie mercury work that out that's where my mind is right now <laughs> so, those are the paradoxal right like those different universes <laughs> Hey, Gary, we're slowly coming to the end of the podcast. Um, is there something I should have asked you, but I didn't? Not really, because you've asked a load of brilliant questions, honestly. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> There's one, but I'm not going to put it on the show. <laughs> no, actually, let me jump into my courage and vulnerability. I just spoke about it. The question, we're not going to answer it now, but we can maybe do it offline or another time, is do you see us? Is your current work organization part of the future vision that you think you're stepping into? That's a good open question. That's a brilliant one. <laughs> I'm putting it out there. <laughs> so you can email Gary <laughs> with an answer to that question. Hey, Gary, it was it was amazing uh, talking to you. I do have uh, a short uh, uh, summary of everything that you had said. Uh, so what is your key takeaway you want to share with our audience? So when you when you combine everything that we have spoken with, 
what is your two cents for them? My two cents, my invitation is be human, practice vulnerability, run headlong into difference. That would be my summary. And get and, and get support with that where you need it. Don't try and do it on your own. Wow. With that, don't fear don't fear to ask for help. Exactly that. Beautiful and a very strong one in one sentence. Hope again, and it's not yeah, I'm not I'm not gonna say it's easy all the time. It's not. You know, and that's why you need community. You know, when you fall over and you graze your ankle or you hurt your arm, you know, there's people there to dust you down, pick you back up again. And, uh, you know, we don't, we don't have to do it on our own. I'm sure in your experience, you've you've got your help along the way, Amir, I'm sure. Definitely. You always have to surround yourself or have to. That's my advice. Surround yourself with people that have best intentions for you. That goes both ways, of course. So when you come back all bloody and messed up, that they patch you up and say, you're okay, you, su- you survived, <laughs> go further. <laughs> that wasn't all. <laughs> Next round. <laughs> yeah, I didn't hear the bell. <laughs> Gary, it was awesome talking to you. Thank you very much for your time and sharing your story. Um, ladies and gentlemen, Gary has also a podcast. So here is hereby also an invitation for his podcast to listen about the vulnerability. Yeah, so thanks for that, Amir. So as I say, I closed it down about two months ago, but it's, there's over 135 conversations um, with CEOs, you know, consultants, DNI professionals, and it's called a value through vulnerability. And you'll find a lot of what Amir and I have spoken about and there a lot of actionable insight as to how to try and step into that. So Great. Thank you for sharing and stay safe and healthy. And until next time. Thanks, Gary. Bye-bye. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thank you for listening, dear ladies and gentlemen. That was Gary Turner. Next week, our challenger of status quo, our guest and a professional misfit is Sonsoles Alonso. And here's a short part of our interview. In the contemporary music, um, we use something that is called a graphic score. And basically, with a graphic score, you work together with all your ensemble players and also with stakeholders in order to put together a production. And when you look at these graphic scores, they are basically a systemic tool. Yeah, so the graphic score is a systemic tool, a grid, a flexible grid for music. But I make these grids now for teams. And sometimes I get to work with an entire team and and their leader, if it is a very brave one. (laughs) But as I said, um, systemic means also that um, I work with all stakeholders at the same time. Are you curious how Sonsoles uses contemporary art to improve businesses and teams? Tune in next week. For now, this was Challenging the Status Quo Podcast Season 2 with your host, Amir Sabirovic. Stay safe and healthy, and until next time, ciao!